the left, yes, we're on the left, on the left, just doing our best. On the left, yes, we're on the left, solidarity and fuck the rest. Bum, bada. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode ever, hopefully not the last, of what we're calling On the Left, which is a space uh, to discuss different aspects of being a person and being on the left. So if you want a lot of hot takes about the most cutting edge and compelling political analysis of today's headlines, this is not the place to be. If you kind of want to just listen to other people talk and share about what it's like being alive in 2021, because it's New Year's Day, and on the left, then this is where you should be. All right, so uh, my guest today is Jenna Jacobson, the great Jenna Jacobson. So we'll start out with a brief introduction from her. You can keep it as simple or as elaborate as you like, Jenna. Basically, who are you? What do you do? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, hi, I'm Jenna Jacobson. I'm so honored to be here. Um, so, I mean, in the very broad view. I'm a 29-year-old white woman. I use uh, she, her pronouns. Um, I'm an attorney. I work at an academic medical center in-house. Um, I don't I don't know what other information you want about me. That is plenty. Okay. <laughs> we just need to lay the groundwork. I was so, like, oh no, should I even bring up my career as a defining factor in who I am? I'm already questioning. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. So, number two question, what are you drinking right now? I am drinking currently coffee out of a mug that says, I've got a fever, and the only prescription is more caffeine. <laughs> that is excellent. And I also and, – mm-hmm. go ahead, sorry. Oh, oh, and then just water. And water. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to get really good in about a year, not – talking over each other, folks. But in the meantime, you just have to be uh, dazzled by our sparkling wit and put up with that. So <clears throat> we know what we're drinking. I'm I'm drinking also coffee mm-hmm. in this lovely ceramic mug. That is a my beautiful sister. mug. Isn't it, though? It kind of looks like these leaves. There's leaves on the side that look like badges. That's what I was about to say. I was going to ask if that was a beautiful vagina. It. I don't think it's intended to be. Okay. But as we know with art, intent is not always everything. (laughs) They're badges. Mm -hmm. All right. So (laughs) let's start with where you are now in summary. How would you summarize your politics? And that could be a phrase, a sentence, a paragraph. Basically, where where are you at? So I would identify as a leftist. Um, That's a very, very broad definition, though. Um, I think what I'm trying to figure out and where I'm trying to become or what I'm trying to become is a a compassionate leftist. Um, So in terms of that, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of being a leftist is critiquing and understanding the structures that, you know, often don't benefit a lot of the people in this world and especially this country. Um, So I, I, I always want to understand that, but I'm also trying to do a better job of focusing on the actual people who those structures affect um, and the real ways that they are affected. So uh, I think that's where I'm at right now, trying to focus on the individual, but not ignore the structure. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense to me because it's easy to lose sight of how we care about the structure because of how it impacts actual people, living, breathing people. So I, that actually makes a lot of sense to me to to make sure you you don't lose sight of that. All right, so that's where you are now. When do you first remember having thoughts and opinions 
on politics. And by thoughts and opinions, I don't mean they need to be, you know, highly articulated, sophisticated analysis. I just mean like, oh, my dad hates Bill Clinton, so so do I. <laughs> <laughs> Level is will be sufficient, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that I grew up in Orange County, which is, uh, for those of you who may not know, a uh, a red spot in the middle of what is often a, a blue Southern California. Uh, so it's, uh, especially in Southern Orange County, Aliso Viejo, which is where I grew up, uh, very Republican um, and very privileged. So I don't think I, I didn't really think about politics. I was very apolitical. Um, I just didn't think about it much. It didn't really impact my day or my life. Um, but I remember the first time I went to a Catholic high school and this was when Prop 8 was happening. So that was when they were trying to pass a proposition. I can't remember if it was yes or no. One of, one of the ways it was so gay people couldn't get married in the state of California. And I went to a Catholic school and we had to wear uniforms. You know, you couldn't really have much of an individual identity, which personally as a lazy person, I liked a uniform. Everything matched already. I liked to get up in the morning. All my clothes were ready. But with Prop 8, the school passed something or allowed it so that kids who were going to wear sweatshirts or pins or things like that uh, in support of Prop 8, I think is what it was, whichever side it was that they didn't want gay people to get married, they could wear those clothes. It was support. Yeah, in support of that. And then the school hung a big ass banner that said, yes, on Prop 8. And I, in my mind, was just like, that's, I'm assuming I could curse on this podcast knowing you, right? Oh, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was going to be weird if I did That's fucking crazy. Because, I mean, I don't think I thought about it very much at that point. But I was like, why do we care this much about the lives of other people? You know, they just want to be in love. I think at that point, I didn't know any gay people. I mean, people I, I knew at that point eventually came out. But at that point, I didn't have anyone who was openly out. But it's just like, that's just stupid. And I think that kind of fell in line with, so at that point, I was at a Catholic high school. But I had been to Baptist, a Baptist school, an Episcopalian school, a non-denominational school. My mom was raised Catholic, and my dad was raised Seventh-day Adventist. So I had a lot of exposure to different kinds of Christianity. And pretty much all of those kinds of Christianity always started out in every religious class that was I had to take every single year. Um, we love everyone except for these people. And so that always just didn't sit well with me because it's like, I don't get it. What do you mean? You can't say one thing and then mean, and then say completely something different in not even the next sentence, just at the end of the first sentence. Um, so I think that always was kind of a feeling, but it was really the Prop 8 that I think first was so in my face. I was like, this is fucked up. Absolutely. Um, On that point about how they would make these exceptions or would have this explicit politics about um, LGBTQ people, was it always so explicit as we love everyone, but not these people because they're sinners or did it sometimes also become come packaged in this, well, we do love everyone and we love them too, but they're going to go to hell if they keep doing this. I'm just wondering because I feel like that latter strategy is was where a lot of religious uh, homophobia, uh, bigotry went to, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, so two things. One, um, this was in 2008, I think, because oh, I yeah, graduated right. high school in 2009. It is the early 2000s. I know. Long run, nothing. Yeah. Um, but uh, sometimes it really was that explicit, you know, like in our, somehow we had a religious slash sex ed class. Uh, I, I was like, that's essential. It was obviously abstinence only. But they did a lot of the it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve situation. But then also a lot of the time it was uh, hate the sinner or hate the sin, not the sinner. So it was like, oh, no, we love them. We just don't like what they do. Right. You know, and it was always kind of like packaged in this way that was like, this is a choice that they are making. Um, 
And because of this choice and these like things that they want or do, then they're going to go to hell. But they can always choose not to do so. And God will love them then. Or he always loves them, but then he'll forgive them. It was always kind of a little bit hazy. And again, not logically consistent. Absolutely. The contradiction is there, even when they try to bury it under all of this mushy sort of rationale. So you have this Prop 8 moment or awakening. And moving forward, what would be the next big step or realization or fucked up experience or whatever Mm -hmm. that brought your attention more consistently to thinking about politics? So um, I wasn't actually old enough to vote when Obama was... uh... (laughs) Robin's shaking her head and flipping me off. (laughs) Uh, So I couldn't vote for him. So I wasn't really... I, I know that was a lot of people who were a year or two older than me who that was like their first election and that was their really big thing, but I couldn't vote. So I didn't really pay too much attention other than, you know, Oh, great. You have a black guy's president, you know, that's That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't think I had any real concept of like the policies or, you know, eventually lack thereof. Um, So then I graduated in 2009 and I went to uh, UC Davis for undergrad. Um, And while I was there, I think I, not anything big. I think just eventually, you know, as college happens and with my history degree, you know, I started to then identify as a liberal. I don't think I had identified it as anything else. Uh, I wasn't a you know, Republican or conservative or anything. It just was kind of the first time I had like thought about it. And that, you know, that seemed left to me at the time. Yeah, you know, I like, yeah, I, I like gay people and I support them and I like, you know, social security uh, that seems cool. Um, I'm yeah. having this image of your Facebook profile in 2010, uh-huh. and yep. it's like political views, and it says, I like gay people and social security. It checks out. Yeah. yeah that's Although I, I think you may be giving me too much credit. I probably posted nothing political. I think it was all just fun college things well they used to to, they used to have a thing where on your profile you filled out your political views and i i would i don't know if it's there anymore because maybe now they're like this is bad for the polarization Mm -hmm. environment right but it used to be there and i actually have very distinct memories of changing mine you know as the years went by but this is about you, not me. Uh, no, eventually I want to learn more about you too. Uh, but yeah, I probably just had like said it at liberal and was like, all right, this is good. You know, uh, I don't hate poor people and we're set. You know, I, I'm, I'm in all my history classes. I'm learning about things from a more critical viewpoint than any history that was presented to me in high school. Um, so yeah, we're moving in the right direction. This is great. And I didn't know that there was a further left, to be totally honest with you. It was, I was like, this is how far you go. I'm a liberal Democrat and this, you know, this is where we're at. We're at the edge of the sidewalk here. Yeah. You know, and coming from Orange County, I was like, I would come home and it would be, I mean, you know, I'd see other things or like hear people who like hadn't left Orange County talk about stuff. And I was like, I'm a better person than you. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, guess what? This is. I now know that that is racist. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I uh, think for so many Americans, that is the experience on the journey to the left is you mm-hmm. because the way that we the political spectrum is presented. And I run into this constantly with my students. They really don't have any consciousness of something beyond the liberal center. And because the right is mm-hmm. devoted to conflating the center and the left, you know, because in some crazy fucking fantasy world in their head, Bill Clinton's a socialist or whatever. <laughs> if only. That just makes, right. That just makes it more difficult, right, mm-hmm. to explain the distinction. So that is, you should not feel uh, embarrassed whatsoever. That's, I think that's incredibly common. So you're learning these things from school and you're in a different environment you're out of orange county so uh, an effective contrast also helps clarify things 
And was there ever a particular course or professor or maybe people that you just met on a personal basis that sort of sharpened these news view views for you or brought them home to you in a particular, particularly uh, compelling way? Or was it just really so kind of like gradual that you barely even noticed it? I think it was just so gradual. Uh, or maybe it was just so, it really confirmed a lot of what I'd been thinking and maybe gave me a little bit more of a language to, to think about it in and be like, oh, that is, yeah, that supports how I've been thinking about this. Right, to um, bring that back to your earlier discussion about Prop 8, I think that's often the case when people start to become politically educated. They look back at those experiences, and like you said at the time, you're like, this is fucked up. But then as you become more educated, you're able to articulate exactly what was making you uncomfortable mm -hmm. and how it was fucked up. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when I, I guess the summer before my senior year in college, Oh, God, this is going to sound so fucking bougie. Uh, <laughs> I studied abroad in Vienna where yeah, I met <laughs> my now husband, Logan, who you obviously know because that's how we know each other. Indeed. Uh -huh. And he was getting his PhD in history. And he was the first person I'd met who identified as a leftist. And I remember you know, being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you're liberal. And he'd be like, oh, no, I'm left. And I'm like, I don't get it. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, not that he'd be offended, obviously, but he's just like, no, 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 no. I need you when you when you describe me to people. Those are not the same thing. Right. And I was like, what do you mean? It's you're left. I mean, you're, you're left of right. So you're liberal. Which obviously is not the case. Right. So. <laughs> and one day we'll also talk to Logan and, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll have him tell the story too. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what his version is. So uh, how, how does that progress then? Like uh, what role does, uh, not to say that you need a man to make everything <laughs> clear, just, you know, spoiler alert here, everybody. I kind of, you know, I know them both. So how, how does growing and learning with Logan what's what does that look like and, and on how how you start to think or approach politics and how you could impact him too right so well Logan also has this really great group of friends uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of whom's also weirdly enough named Robin um, <laughs> so strange yeah but so I mean I started hanging out with all you and I mean, let's be honest, I was 21 at the time. So most of the parties I was going to, you know, weren't featuring talks about socialism or communism or um, things that weren't about drinking games. So <laughs> I think that, you know, just getting to be around all you guys and just hearing not only the, the your your views at the time, but one how you got there, and two how you challenged your own views and each other's views, I think was really helpful. So it wasn't ever presented to me, uh, and not like you guys were like, despite the fact that you were pretty much all uh, PhD candidates and or teachers or teachers assistants at the time. It's not like you sat me down and like gave me a lecture, but it was presented to me as like, oh, you should always kind of be questioning like how do we get here which is the history aspect but then like as a, as a culture as a country as a civilization but also like how did we get here as individuals like why do I have this view you're coming from a different place what like and always like in a nice way like obviously there were discussions but it wasn't ever like disagreements and it was never like a shutdown because of politics it was like no these are just things that you have to think of as a, a person in this world. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. And again, just like a lot more of the vocabulary that I did not have before then. Um, if you had asked me to define socialism at that point, I'd be like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, Everyone's equally poor? Yeah, like tax, something about taxes? I don't know. They're really high. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jenna, <laughs> I think now is the time to inform you that mm. we had a master plan for the start. Oh, uh, 
we said, look, let's just all hang out and be really friendly, but we're mm-hmm. going to be dropping all of this indoctrinarian material <laughs> left and right. Always and she seems, at college. she seems really green. So she's just going to absorb it like a sponge. And before she knows it, she's going to be throwing bricks in the Starbucks window. When we tell her to. <laughs> that part's still coming. <laughs> we got time. But no, uh, seriously, actually, mm-hmm. that is really heartwarming and adorable to hear because I, of course, remember our, you know, earliest count encounters. Of course, the very first few were kind of vague. Like I remember you on the porch at uh, picnic day once and you just seemed very radiated this very positive, but also kind of cheeky, kind of sarcastic energy. That Me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you still radiate to this day. I don't know what you're talking which, about. Which I love. Um, and then, you know, you just came around more and more often. And I, in fact, till this moment, didn't, you know, know when how this process started for you or how it happened. So I didn't know that we were a part of it. And damn, I feel good. We did, we do good. Yeah. We, uh, we're good little, uh, a good group to indoctrinate people in in uh, the most unobvious and gentle way possible. While also, why everyone's listening, playing drinking games. Don't worry. It's oh, not yes, like we yes. just sit around and like philosophize like a bunch of bougie assholes. We do oh, that. No, no, no. But we don't only yeah. do that. You do that while doing dance battles. Exactly. <laughs> and drinking. Dream, and combo yeah, can't yeah. be beat. Because yes. nobody can spend too much time with a group of people doing drunken dance-offs and not, you know, just come to agree with everything they say. No. Yeah. I mean, that is, <laughs> I, I think that's really what we're getting at is it just you, you danced your way into my heart and you got me to... <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. Uh, and therefore indoctrinated me. So uh, I guess this is just letting the world know I can be indoctrinated through dance. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, Luckily. People aren't listening to that. It's fine. Well, I also don't Fasc- think so. Fascists don't know how to dance. That's what I was going to say. I was like, mm. they can't and if they do, it's not the kind of dance I'm looking for. <laughs> All right. So this is – a follow-up question that you kind of already discussed a bit, um, but just to pull out anything else there, how did these new developments and political thoughts you were having, how did this intersect with your personal life? And you could go in multiple directions with this, whatever seems relevant to you. Relationships, family is a big thing. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that. Um, Spirituality, you know, what other things were transformed when your worldview right is transformed hmm. okay i mean because it's it's kind of everything right so it's hard to sort of start narrowing it down um i mean in terms of Ch- like use one okay <laughs> um i'll probably go just with how i interacted with the world and i think also uh Oh God, it's so it's so embarrassing that the two reasons I'm like really a leftist is because of my husband and then law school. But you um, know what? <laughs> One of the reasons I'm making this podcast is because I feel like tons of leftists have things in their personal story and their past politics, which they feel like are really embarrassing. And the number one, we shouldn't be embarrassed about it, really. But number two, we feel embarrassed because we don't put all that out on the table in a really honest way when you're like arguing with your racist uncle on Facebook, right? And so I think we need to bring these personal stories into the our understanding of radicalization and what it means. So go ahead and tell us your additional embarrassing tidbit. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this, I, I don't think many people would assume this would happen. Um, but I, the other big thing is that made me leftist is law school, um, which, you know, is normally, I think, considered sort of a bastion of like conservative is conservative is uh, well, that's hard for me to get out of my mouth. I don't say that very often, apparently. Um, but so I went to UC Davis law as well. Um, and, you know, that is the 
uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It's King Hall was the name of it. So it's like pretty, I mean, especially for a law school, um, pretty social justice oriented. I mean, again, it is still a law school. Uh, so you have to take that into consideration. But it was really there that I learned a lot about the structures that are in place um, that impact everyone. And also not only the impact, but also the intent of those structures. So, you know, when you're reading the Constitution and you're reading all these cases and all these judges' decisions and justices' decisions, you're like, oh, we didn't just get here because a few bad people were like, ah, no, we're going to be dicks and, you know, not, you know, provide aid to people who need it. That's how the system has always been set up um, and then continually reinforced. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that was a huge thing for me. Um, And so I took all the classes you have to take as a a 1L, a first year law student. Um, And I got kind of that education of all these structures um, and how also unfair the justice system is. It's in fact very unjust. Um, You know, it, it favors obviously the people that already have privilege, whether that's um monetary or white privilege or you know yeah again class privilege is a huge thing because most people who don't have money can't access the justice system either for criminal proceedings or civil proceedings um and so i learned that my first year and then my my second third year i i started to take more classes that were focused more on um as, as close to people as you can really get in law school. So it's like feminist legal theory and sexual assaults, um, like all these seminar, all these seminars that like focused on how the law really impacts these like groups of people who often the law wasn't actually designed to protect uh, or help in any way. So that was really interesting. And so I, I think because of that first year of law school and already kind of my my movement towards the left, I started taking these classes, which then continued to move me left. And then my uh, final year in law school, I, uh, I guess it's, I worked, and I was part of my classes uh, at the Civil Rights Clinic. Um, so when I did that, I largely worked on a case where we were helping enforce a consent decree against the Yuba County Jail. Um, so in that, a consent decree is essentially the Yuba County Jail had agreed to something in like, I think it was the seventies to actually bring the jail into conditions that met their constitutional obligations. And this was in 2016 and they still hadn't met those. So we would go up um, to the jail pretty much like once a week for the two semesters I was doing it and interview incarcerated individuals um, who were either serving a sentence awaiting to be, or like awaiting trial, or Yuba County Jail also houses ICE detainees. So we would interview them about the conditions that they were living in. So, you know, whether they were getting the medical attention they needed, uh, the food they needed, if there were, you know, suicide hazards in the cells or elsewhere and things like that. Um, And then, you know, trying to make some movements with Yuba County Jail. So... That was very eye-opening because one, uh, Yuba County, uh, so this was actually Marysville. So this was a, a much more rural place than I'm, I've am i ever really lived. Um, so seeing the issues that are encountered there by people, um, talking to ICE detainees, um, it, it, oh no, I, I know, I just was turning this into like a weird thing. I was like, this helped me so much. And I was like, oh no, that's a dick move. I don't want to be that person, but <laughs> well, it was, it was eye-opening, that's for sure. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, and then I remember we had to give me and me and my friend Hope, who was working on this with me, um, gave um, essentially a lunch presentation as part of the, I think it was the American Bar Association or one of those bar associations, to a lot of the lawyers up in that area. And this is a pretty conservative area. And so we were talking about the work we had been doing. And one of them asked a question along the lines of, well, isn't it going to cost a lot of money? What if we can just put this off then? You know, can't we just do that? And I was like, I don't think you get to do that. You know, this is their constitutional obligation to have conditions that are livable. Uh, I mean, obviously, we didn't even get into like the idea of like incarceration and like whether or not that's a good idea. It's just like, oh, if you're going to incarcerate people, 
they should be treated like people still. And that was a radical idea. (laughs) Nice. Um, So I I wouldn't. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to highlight two things in, in that story there, the process of uh, going through law school that I think appear on the surface. And this brings us back to how you described yourself as aiming to be a compassionist leftist. They appear on the surface to be contradictory, but they're really essentially you have to have them both to understand them individually both, which is first the structural level understanding, right? That you're talking about that you got from um, the education that you're receiving at law school, because for people who are not on the left, which is like almost everyone in the country, (laughs) it's extremely common, it seems to me, that their impression of the left is that we just think people are evil, or that we have this idea that the capitalists are evil and the greedy men are evil and these are just horrible people and we need to guillotine them all. And that's our analysis is rich people are bad. And I think one of the key parts of the journey of actually coming to understand the left and then join it is grasping no, right? that's not our analysis or that's not our understanding. It's about structure. And yes, that structure produces a lot of just wretched human beings. But even if we could uh, rid the world of the scourge of, say, Mitch McConnell tomorrow, uh, it won't do anything, right? Because it's a structural problem and you can't think of it in terms of individualism, but Americans are so trained in individualism. And that's why when a new president gets elected, uh, good or bad, it's a total fucking freak out because it's very difficult for people to look at such issues on a structural rather than individualistic level. And they forget that even the U S president who now has more power, whether it's, you know, or, he or hopefully one day she than then they did at the beginning of the country's founding. Even though they have a lot of power, they don't have infinite power, right? Um, so a single person is not going to change anything. Anyways, I'm getting a little bit off the track there, but there's that structural level. But then there's the personal level, right, that you are actually getting to – interact with somebody who is going who's trying to share what all of these power imbalances how that impacts every single moment of their consciousness and that's where it's like this is why this matters because full human beings not abstract numbers or you know data on a spreadsheet but somebody who is as fully human in every way as everyone or anyone you know or yourself they are suffering and it's not just right yeah that that's i think really where i've come down is yeah the structures are not individual but the suffering is often if that makes sense where it's just the structure makes the people who are perpetrators but also uh, they at the same time, and also those who aren't perpetrators are also still the individual, individual suffering. Um, and that's not to say that like, you know, p- structures don't need people to continuously prop them up, but you know, we're not coming at this from a vacuum. Um, but sorry, <laughs> I feel like I got kind of off track to your question. No, no, um, no, no. Um, I, but, I actually overtook your discussion. Continue. Um, but yeah, no. So I think, you know, just my gradual, some would say descent into leftism, but I say descent. Climb. <laughs> Your essence. Ascending. Um, into leftism has, I, I think it it changed my my choices in what I was going to study and therefore what I was going to do. And I hope it has changed uh, for the better how I interact with not only the people that I know and love in my life, but the people that I just kind of come across in a day and I'll never see them again. But I hope I'm, I try to do my best to to remember um, that we're all kind of just struggling through this life together. Trying to stay afloat. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, so going to pivot here a little bit in light of what your experience is and what you have absorbed in sort of your consciousness of other people's experiences. What do you think is required to bring other people to the left? But let me add to that that do you think it's something that we leftists can implement through action or is it mostly out of our hands the you know the waves of change are are not in our our command so uh is there much of anything we can do so if you want to say no that's totally acceptable answer by the way um but if you want to complicate yes or have a have a clear yes what are those things hmm i don't want to say no okay <laughs> even i don't know if that's correct or not it may be but i that's there are no wrong answers here i genuinely want to know what you yeah. think i'm not quizzing you <laughs> um huh. see this is i haven't thought about this before this is interesting so i mean i think that i What's interesting is that in in our group of friends, you know, I am the newest probably lefty um, or I don't know, but in my in my law school group of friends or in my other groups of friends, um, I think often I am uh, a little more left. And I think that may just be because, you know, the, the discussions I have at home tend to be pretty left. Uh, and the media that I try and consume, um, if it's not, you know, just straight romance novels. <laughs> because left. Famous source of indoctrination. Yeah, romance yeah. novels. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Material structure, historical <laughs> materialism all the way. With that uh-huh. one. Ugh, that's another one of my shames. But God, are they just fun. We're going to do a whole nother series <laughs> on this issue because it's important. So hold on to that thought. Great. Okay, I'll keep it inside. Um, but so I think a lot of the times, you know, I... I have a lot of more discussions between me as a leftist and my friends who maybe more kind of lean towards liberalism. Um, and I, I think that we kind of challenge each other in a, in a very positive way. Um, and I, I, I always kind of try and hope though, that I'm not really bringing them down because sometimes they have such like lovely ideas and they're just like so optimistic and I want that so bad for myself. But then I just kind of feel like a little gray cloud. Sometimes it comes in and I'm like, well, this isn't going to change anything. Absolutely. I don't want to be a gray cloud, but I also want to be like, Hey, that is correct. Having diversity in these cabinet positions is excellent, but what are they going to do? What are their plans? What are their policies? Um, so I, I think, you know, having those discussions is really probably what I would say. Having those discussions with people who um, are open to them because, you know, I've, I've tried to do those conversations with people who are not. And I think that maybe just makes them dig their heels in a little more and makes me dig my heels in a little more. Um, so I, but I don't want to give up on those people either. I don't. This has become of a uh, just a disaster of an answer because apparently I don't have one. No. <laughs> Again, <laughs> this is about learning from okay. other people's experiences. So there are no wrong answers. And if I were to summarize sort of your feedback here. Yeah, please tell me what I was saying because I feel yes, like I what, what, <laughs> what I'm hearing you say is one thing you can do is just work with the people you do feel like are open work with the friendships you have that are open to that sort of idea the context you have um in a kind of organic way right and if unless somebody gives you a clear signal give up on me right i am not interested in thinking about these things, then just approach it like Ed and I don't know what else to say now either. <laughs> approach it like like a, a, any other conversation, yeah. open, thoughtful, and uh, no need to throw punches right uh, at the end of the day with somebody who's genuinely open. Yeah. 
And I think also, I mean, this is uh, a very small thing, but you know, when I, I like it when this happens for me, where it's someone lets me know of an action that I can be participating in. So whether that's, you know, a protest or donating to a mutual aid fund or a bail fund or anything like that. I, I like I like it when people tell me about those things that I may not have otherwise known about. Um, so I also kind of like to to share that information when I come across it uh, with other people who I think may be interested. So, you know, if I live in Sacramento now, so if there's an action happening here and I'm like, oh, I know like some of my friends are free today. Let's see if anybody wants to go or if anybody like wants to pitch in some money for some supplies that we can donate or things like that. So that's not really leftist. It's, I think, more, I guess, no, I guess it's leftism, leftism in action. Yeah, absolutely. You're finding yeah. links in your community to do what, yeah. what you can. So we have two serious and then one unserious, quote unquote, <laughs> question that the last two are, the last serious two are sort of reflections of each other. First, what is the worst thing about being on the left? For you personally, I mean, right? Or whatever, you know, but what, what, is, what is the hardest thing? Uh, the hardest thing about being on the left is, uh, personally, for me, this, I mean, yeah, for me as an individual, um, I think it's feeling kind of disconnected from people who don't share my views because I, I, I think I place such a importance on understanding structures and having empathy for other people, which I think is like ultimately what like the left is trying to do. Um, so it's, it's hard. I think sometimes, or it like kind of throws up at least a little bit of a barrier for me um, with people who I like obviously love so much and they love me so much, but you know, sometimes it's just, it creates a bit of a wall where there's a, a there's a part of me and you know, a lot of my beliefs, which are a big part of me, that I feel like aren't really palatable um, to people. Um, and I think that that makes it a little harder sometimes um, to engage in, you know, real deep relationships with those people who I want to have that with, but who aren't open to it. And, you know, same, it kind of goes the same way where it's like, I know that some people who are my friends or my family have beliefs that I very much disagree with and I love them. So I don't really want to hear about that because I want to continue to, um, you know, so I think it, I think it can build some walls. Um, unfortunately, um, I, I'm hoping that they don't last forever, um, but I think that is, that is sometimes hard where it just, yeah. 100 percent 100 emoji yeah <laughs> next question flip side of that what is the best thing the best thing to me about being on the left is that one this is i'm gonna go like pretty surface level and then i'll go a little deeper but one i don't think any politician is like cool enough for me to wear a shirt of i like that <laughs> Like, I don't have to like you know, I don't want to buy merchandise for any politician, any individual politician. <laughs> don't get me wrong; I love me some Bernie. I own nothing that says his name. I do. I do have one Bernie shirt, okay. <laughs> but I got it for free. Oh, I was, okay, there I was working on the campaign, oh, so they okay. just gave it to me. I don't have to spend my money <laughs> on merchandise. Um, the other best thing I think is just you know I. I I always question things, which I feel like maybe some people may view as uh, a downside because it is sometimes a little bit exhausting. But, you know, I'm never I'm never so sure of myself that I just am not open to thinking about something in a different way. You know, if someone is like, hey, you did this and it, you know, wasn't, you know, you weren't thinking about this group of people or like you obviously weren't taking into consideration that this structure impacts this person's life in this way. And I'm like, Oh fuck, you are totally right. I will internalize that and think about it. And like, 
not be critical of myself in a bad way, but like, I think critical of myself in a way that means that I'll like continue to grow as a person and in my relationships, which I think is incredibly positive because I don't want to be a person who just settles into a belief system and never thinks critically about it and just kind of continues to follow something that I once thought was right. And so I just kind of stick with it. I don't, I don't want that. So I think that, you know, is, is my favorite thing about being on the left is just growth and. And you know what? I never actually thought about this before until you were just saying this. That's why we're doing this. Okay. <laughs> um, but the way that you, uh learn to be self-aware, self-critical, again, not self-negative, mm-hmm. but just self-aware and self-critical. It's not only vital for political or or intellectual thinking, it really helps with relationships, yeah. right? Because you learn to hear criticism or to hear how your actions or words impact other people and to respond to that it, without being automatically or overwhelmingly defensive. Mm-hmm. And that's so useful for just like inter- uh, interacting with other human beings because we're just a mess. Oh, yeah. Right? We're all, all, <laughs> all of us are messes. And I think, yeah, it's helpful to just be like, I am also a mess. You're a mess. But, you know, we can make a nice mess together. Yes, yeah, uh, a lovely yeah. mess. Yeah, what you were just saying reminds me a lot of uh what my therapist always says you know it's like thinking about not only how you reacted and but why you reacted that way like you know why did that feeling happen inside of you and you're like oh my gosh why did that happen and then you're thinking about it and you're like oh that's where that comes from and it just helps you kind of discover more about yourself and be more open to other people I think and other ideas so absolutely now, finally, last question. Do you have a current favorite TV show slash book slash podcast series slash music album that you would like to recommend to our listening audience? Ooh, um, can I recommend? You could only do one. I know you have quite an epic list in your head. <laughs> oh, that's so hard. Okay. Um... I'll probably go with the West Wing thing, which I feel like I've already talked to you about at length. Do you explain though? Yes, it's like not in a recorded way. Um, so this is a podcast um, by two guys named Josh and Dave, who I forget their last names, but they're both writers. Um, and they take a leftist view of the West Wing, um, which, you know, don't get me wrong. I watched it when I was younger and I loved it. I Me too. Like, I watched it when I yeah. was becoming liberal. Yes. It's a thing. It's a thing uh-huh. you got to go through. Yeah. But so they go through it episode by episode, kind of like from a leftist viewpoint of like, I'm sorry, like, and the thing they keep pointing out is that the West Wing is the, the liberal ideal, you know, the, like, this is what they're reaching for, but they never do anything. <laughs> they right. never have actual policies. They never really accomplish anything. And they don't really have ideals. It's like, I think they're, they're things like practical idealism, which I'm like, what the fuck is that? I don't know. Like, you get, how do you be practical and idealistic at the same time? I think their ideals are... Practical? The world should be run by witty, smart people like us. Mm, that went to Ivy Leagues and are mm. somehow a white man. Ivy Leagues. And the president speaks Latin. Yes. And has a so, surprise. Ah, and what is the name of this podcast so I can immediately begin listening to it? It's called The West Wing Thing. (laughs) (laughs) They also, on each episode, they do this thing called The West Wing Brain, which uh, I don't, I guess maybe they didn't start at the beginning of the series, but it's essentially before they get into the episode. They like pull clips or something that politicians today have said that sound like something from the West Wing. Oh my God. Or that like legitimately came from the West Wing because now we're getting into a place where like, you know, Pete Buttigieg and like a lot of other people from that generation grew up on the West Wing and that's why they fucking got into politics. And so it's yes. like a huge impact. And even if, even if they didn't 
watch West Wing or but uh, in addition to watching it, like the Aaron Sorkinese yes. political view is even bigger than the West Wing, right? He he. I mean, he had that horrible show called The Network or whatever. Oh, but the it, new newsroom, the newsroom, right? So it's like <laughs> it's permeated so deeply into the liberal like imagination, right? Okay, I oh, I know we Chicago Seven movie or something too. I haven't. Yes, watched it I feel like I. I haven't seen it and I just can't bring myself to watch more Aaron Sorkin, even though it has um, Cohen, um, Basha Sarah, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen. I usually love his stuff, but I saw him on uh, Colbert, Stephen Colbert show kind of singing, you know, giving all the usual accolades, the brilliance of Aaron Sorkin. And I'm like, no. No, I can't. Mm-mm. No, I'm I, I'm protest of a smart person thinking Aaron Sorkin is smart. I am not going to watch this. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie to you. This is a. I'm just trying to sneak in another recommendation, but it is relevant. I promise. <laughs> so the same guy, Dave Anthony, who hosts the West Wing thing, hosts a, a history podcast called The Dollop, and he did a multi-part series on Abby Hoffman, which I think is probably a much better uh actual absolutely uh, story about abby hoffman and you know the chicago seven that that sounds like a way better story (laughs) no that's totally relevant so if you want to find out about abby hoffman listen to that don't don't watch the aaron sorkin film well thank you so much for joining us here on our very first podcast ever it also occurred to me that i didn't introduce myself at the very top which i know like legit podcasts, which this isn't, but whatever you're supposed to do. We'll, we'll try to play along and pretend. <laughs> My name is Rob Marie Averbeck. I am a lecturer at Chico State. Uh, I have a degree in history, and that's all that's really important for now. Well, when's someone going to interview you? We are going to do me. Okay. Uh, my plan is to do me last oh. once I'm done with, with everybody who uh, – is willing and able to talk to me. So um, we'll get to me. We'll get to me at the end. But you are a lovely way to start. And I hope you have a lovely rest of your New Year's Day. And thank you for anyone who's actually listening to this. Because, like, for reals, this is just us and our friends shooting the shit. But <laughs> as Jen and I were explaining to each other, we think it's worth doing in a way that other people can access just in case it helps anybody out there and anybody finds it relatable or it helps you think about your own process. And also just so that we have this in a digital historical format to listen to when we're old and great and we miss one another. So mm-hmm. That's perfect. All right. All right. I, love I love you, you too. Uh, and I, I like you, listener, if I don't know you. If I do know you, I love you too. Great fucking person. Mm-hmm. Bye, Jenna. Right. Bye. Bye.